This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The winter semester is underway for college students. You might think of campuses as inclusive, enlightened places. To some degree, that's true. It's not always the experience for students. It's not always the experience for faculty. Elizabeth Moeller has been navigating the halls of academia for years. Elizabeth is also the founder of EM Disability Consulting. Hey, good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, Dave. Happy Wednesday. Happy. We've made it through to Wednesday. Uh, almost, almost. It's still almost. pretty. I, I got a long day here. It's still pretty early on the Wednesday Fair. for me. It's even earlier for you because you're in Vancouver today. But so maybe, maybe that'll be something we'll chat about at the end here. So, sure. uh, Elizabeth, there's been plenty of conversation <laughs> about barriers for undergrad students on campus. You and I have had those conversations. We have. But how does that expand to graduate students and other faculty? Yeah, so starting with graduate students, the thing in a lot of programs to bear in mind is that we as grad students are responsible in our academic curriculum for more than just classroom learning. So for folks uh, in professional programs, they may be required to do placements. For folks like myself in research intensive programs, you may be required to apply for additional funding and navigate those in accessible spaces. You also may be required to teach. Um, So that's kind of where I want to start is those outside the classroom learning experiences. Because one of the challenges is that most disability offices provide supports for folks who are in the classroom, whether it's a note taker, whether it's extra time, et cetera. We've talked about that. But where the the waters get sticky and a bit muddy is when you're also, for example, an employee. So you're a research assistant or a teaching assistant, mm. because now you're this sort of double, double agent. You're a student, but you're also an employee. So who's responsible to provide your accommodations? How do you set those conversations up? Um, and I think one of the challenges is having that clear pathway. So, you know, accessible education might say, well, go to human resources and human resources might say, well, you're student go to accessible education. So finding those pathways, I think, you know, also when it comes to placements and practicums, again, as the student, you're doing that extra work of educating your placement supervisor about here's what I might need in terms of supports. Um, So it's a little bit difficult because some of the accommodations perhaps you used in school aren't necessarily going to be um, applied to your placement, or you might have difficulty sort of figuring out what those accommodations are. Elizabeth, one of the themes that's popped up a couple times in a few conversations this week about the workplace is the limiting of opportunities for people in equity-seeking groups, right? That maybe you, mm-hmm. you you finish your undergrad degree, maybe you get that TA opportunity or research assistant opportunity, but then you ram into these barriers. How does it end up yes. limiting the opportunities for people to advance to find themselves in decision-making positions that might start smashing away those barriers for the next generation? Yeah, I mean, it's a real problem. I know in my very first year, I was actually told, um, we'll give you, just take the money and run. We're not going to be able to accommodate a TA position, but we'll give you the funding. But I wanted the experience. Yeah, and so yeah. I think, yeah, exactly. And so I think well, yeah, the cause, challenge cause it's Because it's going to be held against you if you don't have exactly. the experience, right? Oh, well, you know, uh, Elizabeth doesn't have initiative. She didn't do her work as a TA. 
Exactly. Or Elizabeth can't apply for a faculty role. Um, and I think what we're doing is band-aiding. We're band-aiding by saying, well, we'll still fund you or, you know, we'll give you um, a workaround. And most of us don't want that. What we want is the accommodation. So I think right at the get-go, looking at those job descriptions from the lens of equity-deserving groups to say what's missing here. So in my case, I wanted the TA ship. So I actually wrote a letter to our department chair. I explained what I could do. So, you know, I could run seminars, I could mark papers. I talked about the barriers around proctoring, you know, a hundred and something person exam and marking scantrons and why that wouldn't work. And then I listed, I did the research to list courses where I thought I could be a TA, but that's a lot of disclosure and it's a lot of extra work. And so mm. I think when you, back to your initial question, we need to have conversations early on with grad students who might have additional barriers or might be from equity-deserving groups to figure out, you know, where would you excel and wait, how can we support that as opposed to, you know, we'll, we'll find a workaround. So being more proactive instead of reactive. Uh, along those lines, Elizabeth, and maybe this is the big core question around this entire conversation, colleges are at least perceived, colleges and universities from the outside are perceived as enlightened places of higher learning. <laughs> and it's all these woke, yes. inclusive people, like, you know, just humming around, playing hacky sack and guitar. But that's not the actual experience on the ground for people who are in these communities. No. Why do you think universities and colleges are still struggling to remove the barriers? They're centuries old. Like if you, um, Sarah Ahmed is a scholar I like, and she talks about working on the university. And she talks a lot about, you know, what bodies traditionally belong and don't belong. And I say that because change is slow. And the problem is a lot of people still making the decision power at the top aren't from these equity deserving groups because of all the barriers we talked about, you know, and it's, I am starting to see change. So I know that the education standard here in Ontario has not been um, implemented, but it, it certainly has been released and schools are aware of the recommendations. So I know some institutions are starting to make those changes. I think another culture is just who do we see in our spaces? So like I think about hard advocacy. So that's things like, you know, developing policy around, um, you know, accommodations for a TA. So doing that hard advocacy, but soft advocacy is me or you, Dave, standing up in front of a class and lecturing because we're not traditionally supposed to be in those spaces. And that's what I'm starting to see, but we need to see more of. That's the shift we need to see in order for change to happen is more of us um, in those positions through sort of soft advocacy. And I think also another thing is bringing students and student leaders to the table. And that's starting to happen, but it still doesn't happen enough. Like you'd think, for institutions that are, you know, for students, students would be sort of in those decision-making yeah. conversations, but not as much as, as you'd think. Elizabeth, uh, I appreciate you including me as someone who could lecture in front of a classroom, but I don't think Professor Dave has much to offer for his students other than how Fair. to set a good fantasy football lineup or put together a great football <laughs> betting parlay. So, oh, uh, Lions. So, yeah, well, oh, maybe we can get to that too. You know, I'll, pull, I'll, years. I'll, I'll pull back the curtain here. Elizabeth has been sending me a lot of emails about football, and it's been delightful. Delightful. <laughs> it's a real relationship building here. Elizabeth, you, you alluded to a couple of possible 
positive changes. Go a bit deeper, because I think this conversation maybe runs the risk of being so dour that it seems like there's no Absolutely. hope whatsoever. What yeah. are the positive changes? Because again, you're there, you're, on, you're in the halls of academia every day, yeah. you're working for advocacy groups. There is positive change to report. There is positive change. Yeah, so I've talked about the education standards before, so I won't go too deep, but just to explain that there are standards that are being rolled out. I'm also seeing a lot of institutions um, where the Office of EDI or Equity, Diversity, Inclusion is actually doing um, the work of bringing student representatives into those conversations, hiring students from equity-deserving groups to be in those leadership roles. We have a wonderful initiative at Western. We're developing a, a faculty guide around accessibility, as well as a guide for students who are new to our halls and campuses around accessibility. And that guide is developed by and for students and faculty and staff with disabilities. The other really great thing that I'm seeing is a lot more um, community building and peer support. So uh, out at uh, University of Victoria, they have a wonderful initiative led by students for students, um, peer support for new students with disabilities. They've got a food bank out there. They have um, a whole host of events. So I'm starting to see this almost rising up of collective advocacy from students by students in a really wonderful way um, because we're being the change that we wanna see. Um, you know, I think the other thing I'm starting to see is more diverse course offerings. So, you know, I took a research methodology course that was all about arts-based methods. So I think it's starting to happen. I think the, the tide is starting to rise. I think is it as slow as, um, perhaps fast as I would like? Not, but I am starting to see those changes. And I think the other thing that I'm starting to see is language on program websites about if you need accommodations, contact us. At Western, we've just revamped for grad students our admissions process um, to reflect what it would look like if you were applying as someone that had some academic challenges and perhaps needed to take um, more time or perhaps your grades weren't where you wanted them to be. So those those changes are there and I want to I want to emphasize the positive as well. Well now I'm once again feeling seen with the alphabet soup that was my McGill transcript but uh, let's not go too deep into that. Don't want people uh, no, sweeping under we we football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we don't, I didn't know K's and J's existed but oh man Elizabeth they, uh, they do. <laughs> they do. Uh, J for jump. Yeah, J, yeah, J for a jump to a different career option than political science. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, let, let's have a little bit of fun here on the way out the door. You're in Vancouver today, my favorite city in the whole country. What brought you to Vancouver? I'm doing a training for FireSmart BC. So the folks at FireSmart BC actually provide information and resources to people to, well, be smart when it comes to fires. So this is everything from cleaning up your yard, how to evacuate during a forest fire, um, just how to manage your home to be safe around fire and fire safety. And what's really great is they've asked for the accessibility lens. So I'm going to be speaking to them today with a colleague about, you know, what to think about when you're providing resources and training about fire safety when you have people with a disability that are in your audience. So your videos need to actually have sound. So I, there's one video where it's all music and uh, it's showing how mm. to evacuate safely. But um, so we're going to talk about all those great things. Yeah, I've been on a few airplanes over the years where I'm like, can you actually tell me what this process is if I need to evacuate this thing? You know, <laughs> uh, give, me, give me a little more insight here. I need words, not music. Uh, Elizabeth, one last thing here on the way out the door. It's the daily poll question today at Accessible Media on X, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. In Edmonton, they are raising the price of a single use paper bag when you go to a store. It's going up to 25 cents. Uh, the question, the question on the poll is, have you gotten used to bringing your own reusable bags? But Elizabeth, instead of asking you sort of that directly, you can answer it indirectly. Take me into your kitchen. 
How many reusable bags are in the <laughs> Molar kitchen right now? There are so many in the Molar kitchen. I have a designated drawer with <laughs> reusable bags. Yeah. <laughs> and I keep trying to pawn them off on people. Like I make meals for some folks at our church that aren't able to do that independently. And every time I'm like, I'm going to bring the meals in a reusable bag. And guess what I get back the next week? The <laughs> yeah. reusable bag. It's like the haunting of the bag. We had a representative of Meals on Wheels on in the first hour of the show. And I was telling her that that's my strategy, right? I bring stuff to people's houses. Here, it's in this reusable nope. bag. Hey, Dave, you want to bring this home? Nope. You keep that. Baby, and never, come back. Yeah, and, ne and never talk to me again, right? Like, I drop off That's a right. reusable bag, and I say, we can't be friends anymore because That's you right. might try to get this reusable bag back to me. Uh, Elizabeth, thank you for this. Always appreciate talking to you. <laughs> you too, Dave. You have a wonderful, wild, wacky Wednesday. I'll do my best. Safe travels uh, coming back from Van City. That's Elizabeth Moeller, founder of EM Disability Consulting. Coming up after the break, I'm going to ask Ramya Amuthan and Nazreen Abdelmajid the poll. Rumia is going to tell you what's coming up on Kelly and Rumia later today. Alex Smythe has a pretty important topic for the roundtable all about the state of Canadian health care. So lots coming your way over the course of the next uh, 20 minutes or so on Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.